Bye. Short Bus Debate Club. It's a bus. Rolling. I can get on board. <laughs> Hello, I'm Darren Jolly. <laughs> it's time to get this short bus started. So let's roll. And on with the show. Hello, and welcome to the second episode of the spring semester for short bus debate club this is friday so it is going to be a lighter topic at least it should start off that way um darren and i have a tendency to argue a little bit so maybe not the whole time but it's going to be lighter at least for an idea (laughs) (laughs) but um Yeah, so for those of you that have listened, um, maybe you're a regular listener, maybe you listen semi-regularly, maybe this is your first fucking episode, we have a tendency to form opinions. And I am of the opinion that if, well, and we're going to get into this in a little more detail, I guess probably a lot more detail because we've got an hour and probably another hour on top of that it could even go on for even longer than that he, he, brian didn't mention but I, I, i'm on the podcast so i just well that. i said darren and then you said something so i figured we were okay i'm sorry my name is brian courtney and that guy that just talked shit was darren jolly we talked shit sometimes too <laughs> so um it's this definitely. episode is about Whether or not you can keep the same band name after, I don't know if I just want to say founders or if I say key components or essential elements or whatever are gone, right? So offline, we argued kind of back and forth about a couple of different things, but The thing that I kind of want to lead off is that, like, okay, so would you ever have the Beatles without the four of them? Would you ever have the Beastie Boys without the three of them? And there were other Beastie Boys players, but they were were not the three. Right. Um, The sail, the mast, and the body of the ship, ultimately. Yeah. And I don't, I think people would flat fucking raise hell if either of those two bands that I just mentioned tried to go on tour under the same name. Um, You know, if Paul McCartney decided, well, fuck it, I'm going to reform the Beatles. So as we go through this stuff, we're going to talk about situations where uh, they just quit outright when, when, when members died. Um, They developed other iterations um and then of course others were and not necessarily like you said it's not just about people dying there are instances where like you know steve perry's just done singing you know, yeah i quit journey yeah so he takes off and then they have like six different front people that that sing for them so uh my my kid and i were arguing about something the other day i hate analytic philosophy i mean it's it's important for what it is but it just kind of gets a little bit tedious in certain moments. But she brought this thing called the uh, the ship of Theseus thought experiment. So the idea behind the ship of Theseus, this, this, this will connect to what we're talking about, I promise you all. 
the ship of Theseus thought experiment um, is based on this idea. So according to legend, Theseus, the mythical Greek founder and king of Athens, he'd rescued the children of Athens from uh, King Minos after slaying the Minotaur, and then they escaped to Delos, right? So uh, every year, the people in Athens would commemorate this rescuing by taking the ship that was allegedly the ship that Theseus brought back to Delos, and they would take it to uh, where the Minotaur was at, and then they would they would bring it back. But this happened for like a couple, 300 years or something like that. And ultimately throughout that process, I mean, obviously a ship is not going to be, you're, you're going to have planks that are busted, you're going to have masts that are going to bust, you're going to need to replace the the sails, you're going to have, there's just a ton of ropes, every fucking thing, right? So the question is, those stupid fucking sophists. Even you know, on the anchor. An anchor, you might have a different anchor. Yeah, it might just break off because your chain just sucked or whatever. You got to tie a rock to that rope. Yeah, tie, tying a rock to the rope. So the question that um, the sophists asked, because it wasn't um, Aristotle or uh, Plato or anybody like that that asked the question, but ultimately it was, uh, if this boat has gone back and forth so many times that the parts that uh, made up the boat in the first place, the thing that you're commemorating, right? The thing that ties to that moment, the only thing that allows you to connect to the past. If all of the parts are replaced, is it still the same boat? And like in, when you're talking about it in the context of bands, uh, it's it's a lot more complicated because you have bands where you just have studio drummers that are playing, you know, that come and go. Like Pearl Jam had like 17 different drummers in that band until Soundgarden quit playing and then the drummer for Soundgarden played for them permanently. But see, when you throw studio people in... I don't think that that's fair. And I think that that's one of the reasons, like Billy Joel, he used nothing but basically studio musicians, is because it was his fucking band and that was it. So you're, 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 because I was just saying when I said studio, I just meant that, so like you have a band that, that has like a core group of people that do the writing and are at the center of it. Right. Like, uh, who would be a good example of, uh, a band where you had, you know, so like the, the, the Eagles and like the dude, I hate the fucking Eagles, man. But um, you have, you have Don Henley, you had Glenn Fry, he died in 2016, right? Um, and then uh, Joe Walsh was a founding member of the Eagles, but he left, didn't he? He didn't ever, did he play with them out on the road still? I don't know if he was on the later tours or not, uh -huh. because after... What was it? Nineteen? I want to say it was nineteen ninety six. They went on tour and they were charging like two hundred and fifty bucks. And I was like, "Are you out of your fucking mind? I only like like four songs. I'm, the first, I'm not paying was, that much." And that was the first farewell tour, right? Because they did one at least every other year, but I think it was every year. I think that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a, a post COVID. <laughs> Farewell, right? We have COVID now, so we got to say goodbye one more time. We were locked up in our houses. They're all wearing their masks. So, Some of them are in the like wheelchairs. Don Henley, Glenn, those so those guys were were the core members, but they would have I think they would have other people coming in and play the drums and stuff like that. They'd have I don't know if there was a permanent bass player. Maybe I maybe I'm speaking out of school. Well, I don't. So I don't know enough about the Eagles mm -hmm. to say one way or the other. But when I said studio musicians, mm -hmm. I was thinking like 
David Bowie, Billy Joel, um, you know, Taylor Hawkins played for Pink and Alanis Morissette. Before, yeah. Yeah, Cooper, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... And he was, But he was just Alanis Morissette's... And I think he did play on an album, but he really was just her live drummer. Like, right, I mean, that was what he was so a lot of these people were just hired to play the fucking music, and that's it. They didn't get fucking liner notes... They weren't making royalties off of sales. No, from the, yeah. it was just a flat fee for playing that session. So maybe instead of, yeah, I, I don't know. But so Billy Joel never had to rename his band. Steve Miller never had to rename his band because it was the Steve Miller band. Yeah. Um, but Van Halen, uh, Iron Maiden, the beat, I mean... Obviously, nobody ever came up with another Beatles or another Beastie Boys. But, I mean, another band that people would fucking just raise hell about, I'm guessing, and nobody's trying it, would be Soundgarden. And Chris Cornell's gone now, obviously. Or Audio Slave. And I don't think anybody would put up with that shit if they tried to put another frontman in there. So why is it okay to put a Filipino in where Steve Perry was, or uh, the fucking NXS guy, and I don't know Michael, who filled Michael, in. Michael Hutchins. Well, right, but he's the one who died. Who filled in for him afterward? Um, so there are key people. John Stevens, J.D. Fortune, and Gerian Gribben. Oh, shit, so NXS was really trying to make this thing work. Okay. And didn't have any success in doing so, I'm guessing. Or limited, limited success. Otherwise, why would you continue to, to flip them? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Pantera, Dimebag Daryl, dead, obviously. Mm-hmm. His brother quit. Um, so now none of the actual members, or maybe just one of the actual members that founded the band, are still the band. So... I think what we're we're trying to figure out is is it okay um, or, or or just what does it even make like when we think about it does it even fucking make sense I mean like and and that's a question that is it, it, it like philosophically like in concretely but I mean and of course do the fans like because they're the ones that really get to make that general determination if they accept the fact then on some level well if there's acceptance uh-huh. then. I guess it's okay, but there's no accounting for taste. I mean, there is there is depending though. That's a, that's a contextual question, to be sure. Well, no, but I mean everything on TV now for the most part fucking blows, okay, and that's let's, because let's not apples no. and oranges this, all right? Let's <laughs> no, at least no. stick with fucking live. I, I'm music, just right? talking about the fact that people say one thing is okay, and so they continue to make it. In my opinion. Alice in Chains is not fucking Alice in Chains without Lane Staley. Well, and, and Lane Staley and Jerry Cantrell were the founding members. Right. And they were, and like, and, and, and even like uh, the way that they layered the vocals, like, and, and, and you, you, you take, you take Dirt or you take, what was the one before Dirt? It was not nearly as big, but it wasn't it had. Jar of Flies. No, Jar of Flies is after. Yeah, right. That's why I, I want to make a comparison to Jar of Flies. Uh, um, it was the one with the dog on the front, right? What was that big song off that though? Man in a box. All that shit is off of dirt. Oh, it's the clown one. The clown one was Man in the Box. 
on the album cover. It was, that a, was a clown. One. That dark, the, the, the multicolored face thing you're you're saying is yeah. I can't I can't remember. So that was Man of Box was on that other album then. Okay, so but those first those first two albums like the big ones the one that the one that was on singles they had they had a cut or two that was that was on the the single soundtrack when they were the Seattle music stuff was kind of exploding right. Um, but then you have, and, and, and everybody, you know, who knows Allison Chains knows Lane Staley had a horrible fucking problem with uh, heroin. He was, you know, not unlike a lot of other folks that were releasing her Mud Honey, um, obviously. Uh, Sublime, which uh, is what we were going to talk Nirvana, about. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, uh, sorry. But that's not Seattle. Yeah, but um, t- yeah, tons of those guys, um, the, the, head, the front man for uh, uh, Mother Love Bone, who ended up dying of a heroin overdose. All of these people are, you know, really unique uh, vocal um, people as well, and will come in as we start to break some of this stuff down because Mother Lovebone has an interesting uh, context when they switch front men, and yada yada yada. But uh, everybody knew that Lane was struggling with heroin during that time period, um, and if you listen to music, you could hear some of the the, the his sentiments in that. But when you shifted from the first two albums, which were much heavier, much heavier, you know, the distortion and layered and angsty, you know, to Jar of Flies, which was primarily an acoustic album um, when it graduated to Mad Season and stuff like that, that sort of tendency was there. But um, when you listen to the to Jar of Flies, the 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 basis of what it was that made Allison Chains Allison Chains, where you had that signature Lane Staley Jerry Cantrell Jerry Cantrell vocal, um, like layering in certain parts of the song, which was very Jerry 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 Cantrell's voice was very distinct in its own way as well. It's Dude, not- I I like Jerry Cantrell so much so that I bought his fucking album when he released that solo album. Mm-hmm. I didn't fucking keep it or cherish it in any way. I got a promo, yeah, when I was there. (laughs) I mean, so the one with the dog on it is self-titled. It's just Alice in Chains, and it's the three-legged pit bull. Facelift is the one with the one that I called the clown. Dirt and Jar of Flies. Facelift had... Uh, we die young, man in the box, see a sorrow, bleed the freak. I can't remember. See a sorrow was all the way back then, man. Bleed the freak, too. Love, hate, love. That was a good album. It man. ain't like that. Sunshine. It's a great fucking album. And and it's still, I know we talked about this on I probably the musicians that died one, mm-hmm. but it still just blows my mind when we went to the Van Hagar concert. Mm-hmm. Not Van Halen. Who opened up at that show too? Allison Chains, right? That's <laughs> and they got booed off the booed fucking off the stage. Fucking stage, man. I like them. I wanted to see them. But then the next year they fucking blew up. And then the following year, Lane Staley died. But I still, I still don't think. Now I've heard from a few people that said. The new Alice in Chains is great. Yeah, they'll they'll suggest that. I got another buddy, Brian, the one that we're, we're wanting to do sound effects at some point in time. Shout out, Brian. Um, <laughs> I I don't know. I don't know if it's true because I'm I'm just so pissed. I think that it. I think that two things are occurring. I think that one, they're trying to continue to make money off of 
the name of the band, right? So if they just say Alice in Chains is here, somebody doesn't know Lane Staley's dead, so they go buy a ticket. And there might be people that have no fucking idea, which is right. just so weird to even think about. Um, so I think maybe that is part of it, but I think the other part, I don't know. Are they trying to pay tribute, and that's why they keep the name? I, you know, I mean, I'd like to think that Jerry Cantrell's a good faith actor, you know, in that context, you know, I mean, but I don't, I, I really don't, I don't know because like, like I said, and like you said, and I like you, the, the, like that other Brian guy, like he swore to me, he's like, dude, I've seen him live like six times. He's like, he's got an incredible voice. And on top of that, they're making, they're making new music. But this again, like is, is a really tough, it's like Van Halen's like a weird, like example of this, right? Because Van Halen is is a reference to Alex and Eddie, and Eddie is obviously the the superstar in that that moment. I mean, like any any dumb fucking kid that you don't like the keyboards or the, the bass <laughs> or any of the stupid shit that he did, you know. But he, I mean, he just filled the space. That's all he did. I mean, Eddie did. When you listen to Eruption, you know, when you were a little kid, you're like, yeah, you know, I want to fucking play guitar, you know, fucking Beavis and Butthead style and shit like that. But uh, you listen to Van Halen, right? And when 1984 come out, we're young and Diver Down and all that stuff. Like we, we were very accustomed to David Lee Roth, right? And then they switched front men and people pretty much accepted, most of the people that like Van Halen accepted the shift from David Lee Roth to Sammy Hagar, which is weird. I don't know if they did. I think there was a huge rift because that's where I came up with the term Van Hagar. Uh -huh. It wasn't mine. Mm -hmm. I didn't call it that. It was on the radio and people are arguing back and forth. Mm -hmm. And Sammy Hagar as on his own, I, I don't like Sammy Hagar. I, I mean, drive 55 right. Sammy Hagar. Yeah. But Sammy Hagar and Van Halen, I mean, they cut three or four different albums that were fairly fucking 50, solid. 5150. Um, for Unlawful Carnal Knowledge, no, OU812. Oh, yeah, that was the one I was trying to um, And then the... Maybe it was just three. It's weird. They had, those, were, those albums were so... They were really keyboard heavy, you know? I mean, you'd still have Eddie doing the things that he did, but, like, it was not... Him, him doing the, the, the... I mean, like... The best thing on foreign lawful carnal knowledge is when they come well, out singing with the drill. They, I mean, he does the the drill. I mean, that's a fucking gimmick, right? I mean, that's not, you know. And Eddie Van Halen was. They a, sold a shitload of singles on that fucking yeah. pound cake, though. I'm yeah, guessing. they did. Yeah, you well, know, because everybody wanted a little piece of pound cake, you know. <laughs> wing, wing. <laughs> but when so like uh, his son Wolfgang, Wolfgang. yeah, how, how that, how do you name your son Wolfgang when you refuse to learn technic like uh, music theory? You can't name your kid Wolfgang if you're not at least going to go, you know, learn what a fucking circle of fifths is or some shit like that. I don't know. I just know that I was totally fucking in love with Valerie Bertinelli, and that is their offspring. And he was kind of a goofy-looking little shit. I don't know what he ended up being, but I mean... um. Yeah, she was hot though. She was well, she one was, day at a time. So it was like a redhead, a crackhead. She was my first experience with like looking at a milf and being like, "Yeah, dude, I would." Uh, yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd get a little pound cake. There. But you, you were talking about Wolfgang saying that 
there is no Van Halen it's a, it's a without e, David Lee Roth. Yeah, no, no E B H equals no V H. That's the best way to word it. And that's, I mean, I think. Or oh, no Eddie Van Halen. Okay. Van Halen. Sorry. Because yeah, he's the one. I mean, he's the because the other one doesn't. He don't count. I mean, you got you got you got a good good thing that you learn how to sit on those keys and play that stupid shit and play some bass because you got a fucking payday for your whole life for it. Okay, so then Wolfgang wasn't against Van Hagar. He's just against any and, Van Halen without his dad. That was the original point that I was coming to, is, is that when you do see, even if some people did reject the Sammy Hagar, uh, Van Halen had very clear commercial success with Sammy Hagar, it, just like they did with David Lee Roth. And David Lee Roth was a pain in the ass. I mean, they, they kind of parted ways with him in a very, you know, exclamation mark because he was kind of a dipshit. He thought that he was the man. He didn't realize that... When it came down to it, no EVH, no VH. You know, we I don't I don't think we talked about him being a great guitarist or even a dead musician on either of the and that's that's fine. I was just mentioning it now because he was one of my favorite guitarists when I was growing up. When I was really young, I loved Eruption, and there was actually this thing that um, I found, re, you know, because I was YouTube, I'm YouTube crazy about weird live shit, and I found something that he did that he had composed towards right a couple years before he died that was fucking awesome but having said that i just i hate somebody that doesn't understand that if you have that much talent then you should go and continue to do the like part of the reason why i love somebody like trey anastasio is because he's obsessed with expanding his knowledge and his connection to other people to see where the music goes see where it can you know and i think that eddie just kind of uh he put a hard cap on some things that I think that if he would have, with as much natural talent as he had, you know, the sky's the limit. He could he could have killed all those students, you know, Satriani and fucking maybe not Vi, but um, you know. So we've argued about this before, as far as guitar. Uh -huh. You know, Satriani is incredibly technical, but he doesn't as is improvise. Um, but. You know, this is shit that we've listened to or seen on a documentary or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. So who's to fuck to know? And this is me being somewhat enlightened about my fucking generally shallow view is... <laughs> is, that a, is that a paradox? An oxymoron? Yeah, maybe. I don't. I don't fucking know. Satriani may be the best improvisational guitar player I've ever fucking seen but I don't know because I've just gotten so used to him being technical. And the same goes for Vi uh -huh. or, or any of those guys. Except for Steve Vi played with, uh, what's his name? The bearded goofy, Frank Zappa. He was Frank Zappa's lead guitar player. And you don't play with Frank Zappa unless you're capable of Improv. stepping out of a structural box. There was a thing that I posted about a month ago, more like two or three weeks ago, where Zappa, he's talking about what separates him from other guitar players. That's what somebody asked him that in an interview. And he said, the thing that separates me is that you have people that uh, are incredibly brilliant technically, right? And they, they, they practice their chops to be able to play a solo the same way over and over and over and over again, like incredibly, you know, like change this and that, but it's all, it's essentially like you have the studio track and then you can, you can repeat the studio track live perfectly, right? He says, I, I don't, he says, I, he says, I think it's better to have this moment where you have an idea of the structure, you know, the time, the time signature, essentially the key, you know, or a, sort of like a key range, depending on how the progression goes inside of the song. And then you have, he says, I know that I have roughly, you know, 
X amount of time, but I have to fill that space on the, you know, and I mean, Steve, I did that with him. I just like, I mean, and you might be right. I mean, maybe, maybe we just haven't seen Joe Satriani in that. Maybe he just sits at home and, you know, does the jerk off jam with himself, you know, like the <laughs> kind of thing, know. you know. <laughs> and I know you, you like flip through YouTube and, and probably if it was out there, you'd, you'd have found it by maybe now. Maybe so, maybe not. There's a lot of things out there, dude. That's I, I was fun. just, I was just thinking about it the other night when we were t talking about this stuff and then I kind of, you know, did some reading and, and looked at some different stuff and I thought, you know, I've always fucking thrashed Satriani on being just technical. And I don't know if you can fucking be a guitar player and just be technical. And it's probably possible, but I don't know if he's that guy or if it is truly possible. Um, that fucking shitty Metallica documentary... Um, I don't know. It's on Netflix. Mm -hmm. I, I haven't actually watched it, but I've seen the clips that come up when you like hover over sure. it. Mm -hmm. And some of the dudes that are playing on that little clip that they do. Yeah. I had no idea that they could play that fucking well or, mm -hmm. or jam out. I mean, it was, it was people from, you know, rock bands that you may have never heard of. And I'm sorry, I can't remember any of them because, again, I didn't watch the fucking documentary. But it's on the documentary. Yeah. Do you know what it's called? It's a Metallica documentary? Yeah, and it, I didn't watch it because I'm so fucking pissed at Metallica still because of the Napster thing. But um, you, you really know how to hold the grudge. I you? do. I do indeed. Um, okay, so since we were talking about Eddie Van Halen and kind of guitar, and, and I know... Metallica is some kind of monster. So there were a bunch of guitarists and bassists and, and shit, and they were just fucking rocking out. I mean, and... Not with Metallica. They were just showing them, or what was the... No, I think Metallica was there, but they weren't playing. But they were playing Metallica songs. Oh, wow. Okay. Because um, I'm pretty sure one of the dipshits, probably fucking James Hetfield from Metallica, recorded the movie to begin with. Okay. Because um, Dale was telling me that um, so what's his name? Uh, Jason from, uh, Flotsam and Jetsam. He, I got no idea. I'm, uh, go ahead. Anyway, um, uh, Jason Newstead okay. from Flotsam and Jetsam. He ended up being the bassist guitarist. Um, but then he left. And he went to start this new band, and Dale's the one that told me in that documentary, Metallica went to see him live, and they were trying to film him, and Jason Newstead kept, like, going off camera, because... He didn't like being recorded, huh? I think it was because he was fucking pissed at Metallica. Oh, really? That, yeah, I don't know for sure. I don't know how the whole breakup happened, um, but... Anyway, so we were we were talking about guitarists, yeah. and when 
jamming out and shit like that. Yeah, but not Joe Satriani so much though. Maybe, right, but maybe. I so <laughs> the the reason so I'm gonna kind of take a segue here and say a segue, segue, wee wee, <laughs> mon ami. Um, so, <laughs> Quiet Riot was founded by Randy Rhodes, who was also a fucking wicked guitarist. At least if you listen to Ozzy Osbourne, mm-hmm. I didn't, none of the early Quiet Riot shit, at least not to my knowledge, was recorded. Until you said that to me tonight, I had no fucking idea he had any tie in there. And so he went to Ozzy. And then he died while he was with Ozzy, but the bassist that he pulled over to Ozzy ended up going back to Quiet Riot, and then that's when they re, um, released Metal Health. So when we were kids, you heard the urban myth, though, right? That Randy Rhodes never died; that he faked his death. Along with Elvis, hmm. yeah. Yeah, Randy and Elvis are sitting there playing. Randy's going, and Elvis is going. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> um, wise men say. I still think Elvis. But he's probably another guy that used studio musicians. Yeah, I don't think. Or at least session musicians. He, I mean, like other than like the moments where he was on, uh, um, like the weird Tonight Show things that went on back then. Did he go on tour at all? I don't think he went on he tour. He fucking toured all the time. He's making movies, too. He's a busy motherfucker. He needed to do all those drugs, man. He made a lot of money because... Did he really tour that much? I don't know. When I looked, because I was arguing with my mom about it, because somehow a song came up on 70s rock and roll. And I was like, how the fuck can you put Elvis on 70s rock and roll? And I, I do understand how that could have happened, but... When I looked up his albums, it just had a bunch of live albums. Really? And in order to pull a live album, you got to be touring, right? At least to one location. Was it like or do you live just consider or something? I don't know. We can look it up again. I well, mean, just I'm keep, keep, just sitting keep. here. So, do you think like when they were on tour that you had like this whole band and they were getting ready to go fucking play like Wembley Stadium or something like that, and there's going to be 120,000 tickets that were going to be sold? And then fucking they find him dead on the fucking toilet, right? And they're like, we need to get another Elvis. We need, we need to have, who can we have fill in for Elvis at the show so that people will say that this is still an Elvis concert? Do you think that that would have been possible? No, it's like the Beatles. I mean, that's like, like you can, you with the Beatles, like you can get away. You just get some other, you know, motherfucker with haircut like, like, like Ringo to play the drums, right? Or maybe George Harrison a little bit, but he sang enough to where it'd be difficult. But you can, Paul McCartney and John Lennon you, are like the two absolutely you cannot replace. Elvis is probably a little bit like. You know what's kind of funny about that? That since you said that, so I've, I know I've at least told you. I may have said it on the air, but on uh, Coursera, I took History of Rock and Roll one and History of Rock and Roll two. That's an online site where you can take free. Classes, okay. Yeah, great fucking class, by the way, because um, they go a little bit into R and B. They talk about record production. They had a, they had a teacher too, right? Yeah. yeah, and he wrote a fucking badass book. Um, you still have you have the book in your library? Mm. Oh, that's too bad. Um, 
You need to expand the library, dude. I know. I do. Um, so, <laughs> history of rock and roll, I can't remember if it was in one or two, but they specifically talked about the fucking record industry scrambling after fucking Elvis died, trying to figure out who would be the next Elvis, because he was selling so many records that he was kind of like the guy supporting music at in, that point. In, in Nashville, to boot. For like, sure. Um, but I mean... Nashville's had problems with that, like throughout history. Like when they, because they just get over-invested in a certain space. I, I can't remember who it was in the early 80s, but they had a similar problem. And uh, that you know who Steve Earle is? Fuck yeah. They, yeah, Steve Earle's fucking awesome. But they brought Steve Earle into Nashville because they thought he was going to be the next big country thing. And then he had heroin needles hanging out of his arms and his eyeballs and shit like that and ended up in prison for a year and a half. And put out two fucking like Copperhead Road was a fucking awesome album, dude. He, dude, Steve Earle was a, is a, a, a very jovial, very happy, go-getting kind of person. No darkness there at all. No, no angst. No, <laughs> no, no. He's he's very happy-go-lucky. He was one of the main characters on The Wire, dude. Was he? He he played. Fuck a man. Really, dude. Steve Earle's a man. He, I mean, he didn't play Steve Earle, but it was Steve he was Earle. Playing somebody. Yeah, yeah, he, he was, was acting. Yeah. I had. I had but he's got that fucking look, you know. He uh like right so right after Greg Allman died, we'll get back to the Elvis stuff in just a second. But right after Greg Allman died, um, he he uh played uh, a version somewhere. Uh, he tells a story about what makes uh somebody really great, and he says the reason why Nirvana was great was because Kurt Cobain wrote great songs. He says if you want to be great, you have to write great songs, and he said. After Dwayne died, you know, they found out, and he had already been writing some great stuff, but they found out that Dwayne Allman was really a great, a great uh, writer. Songwriter. But at the end, so he plays Midnight Rider, and at the end, at the end of it, he says, I'll see you soon, uh, maestro. (laughs) (laughs) Because he knows he's going to die. Right. The fact that he's still alive is a borderline miracle. So. So that was one of the things they talked about in the history of rock one and two also is that nashville always had a hard time because they wanted you to be a singer or a songwriter you couldn't be both and that's why willie said fuck you i'm out and he went back to texas because he wanted to be both johnny and yeah that's what their thing was and so he said i'm out and and went back to texas and he said i'm on the road again I just can't wait to get on the road again. Fuck you, Memphis. Yeah, I'm gone. I'm leaving. All right. Fuck you, Tennessee. Elvis. Yeah, I don't think you can probably replace Elvis. Well, they they tried really hard for a really long time, and then whatever. I mean, I I don't know. I was never a big fucking Elvis fan, but right after Elvis, disco hit, and I don't know if disco even, I don't know if I can go back and, like, The Temptations, they never tried to rename The Temptations, right? But they were R&B, not disco, but they transitioned into disco, didn't they? No, because uh, wasn't what's his name? Uh, fucking 
what's her name's dad that fucking yeah maybe they didn't i don't know so one of the things that's obviously very important when you're talking about the composition of a band is 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 the specific sound that a person so when you talk about lane staley there's a clear vocal cap capability right so like the dead they had three people that played on the keys and died in 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 their during their their tenure before everything sort of dissolved at the end of 1995. um pigpen he played harmonica he sang and and he played the keys and he died uh uh keith gachow his wife sang vocals when they're doing the night they were all you could tell they were just fucking snorting they had coke probably straws going up their assholes to be perfectly honest with you <laughs> but uh because so Don, donna sugachow who uh when keith died she became born again and you know definitely didn't hang out with the dead anymore you know so but he died and then brett midland of course died of a morphine overdose um and he dude i like i remember like listening to the versions of like Ico and stuff where he's singing and he's got a very unique vocal quality but like it's pretty clear that when it came to the dead like if you'd go see a show let's say is it a bobby set or is it a jerry set right because bobby wrote a lot of songs and jerry wrote a lot of songs and sometimes jerry would do five songs and sometimes bob would do four they kind of go back and forth like that but uh jerry had so many unique like two things that were clear i mean obviously like he was like the uh, the hippie Moses, you know, sort of like vocalist that had this like grandpa kind of like when he sang stuff like Standing on the Moon or Ripple, that was just so um, personal and sweet. There was a personalness to it to where you, like if a person was there, it felt like you're, you were getting sung to, you know, and not really. Like, yeah, dude, Jerry, Jerry had a, I mean, and he did, he didn't, he wasn't a great vocalist by any stretch of the imagination, but there was still like, if you go back and listen, listen to like the 1980, the Radio City Music Hall one where that very famous live version of Ripple where they played it, they did the whole set acoustically, right? Um, yeah, just listen to his voice. Like he, he, he just had just such a unique voice. And, and beyond that, the tone on his guitar was just so, so much so that like at the end of the shows and stuff, like I could tell that he was feeling the pressure of like, an entire community like just waiting for him to play his solos you know waiting for him to sing his songs like it, it was like heroin addicts you know like they'd just go in there and they'd just be like geriites you know it was almost like like a hippie scientology or something like that at the end but uh when he died like they did the further festival stuff they've done dead and company they've done all these various different iterations but they it was never going to be the grateful dead again because once Bobby was not as important. Bobby was not as important, but Jerry Garcia was. There's no doubt that like nothing was going to go on because of the uniqueness of both his vocal capabilities and and his his guitar playing. Okay, but that sounds to me like the band actually said, you know what, we can't call it the Grateful Dead without Jerry. But I mean, so this is because this is the deeper philosophical question that so like they that because for them that's it's pure like they would feel like they would be dishonoring not just and it, it it is not dishonoring jerry it's dishonoring this thing that they had all created together that no doubt he like he was the he was the the tip of the spear he was the you know the 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 thing that was right at the head of the fucking comet that was like blazing through the fucking sky but 
once he was gone. Yeah. And, and again, like sometimes it's more about the person, but in, in his instance, everyone knew. We all we all knew. I remember I went to go see the Further Festival. Hey, you said you went, you went, didn't you, Dale? Oh yeah, it was great. Yeah, is it ninety around ninety seven, right? Yeah. yeah. And they played at Fiddlers and and I respected it for that too because it was like I knew nothing was ever gonna happen with the Grateful Dead. It's like, oh no, Jerry's dead. Yeah. Oh no, but then they were like, we're doing this other thing for everybody that was, you know. It, but I there think for us even before. even then it was like us saying goodbye to something, right? It was like oh, yeah, a like a had a lot of meaning. Yeah. Ways. But it was it was it was done. Well, that is kind of my point. Like, okay, so the only reason I didn't realize that Sublime was fucking touring. And this friend of mine says, well, I saw Sublime in Vegas. And I was like, you couldn't have fucking seen Sublime in Vegas. <laughs> Brad Knowles. He means, he means recently. Like in the last, yeah, yeah, in the last fucking 18 months. 97, when he, he, he I think he died in 97. Yeah, so I was like, you, you couldn't have seen Sublime. And he's like, fuck you, dude, I saw Sublime. And maybe they are called Sublime with Rome. But that's still... I don't think you can call it sublime. And I know at least part of those guys went to start the Long Beach Dub All-Stars after Brad died. So I don't understand why they go from calling it an entirely different band out of respect for Brad dying to, to rolling back around and calling it sublime again. Yeah. Or did somebody else fucking die and they started another band altogether like some sort of fucking tribute thing i don't i don't know but the sublime thing kind of pisses me off just like the alice in chains thing does mm -hmm. holy shit that guy sounds just like Lane Staley. <laughs> it was, we, it was we had really, mentioned earlier that dale, dale had said that so. it was really true to the to the original feel of it whereas like if you listen to the doors with Jim, as opposed to the next couple albums they made, it was nothing at all. Like I was surprised that they even. When I made the vocal point that. earlier, like Jim Morrison is at the top of that list. Like you, you cannot have a Doors ever without without Jim Morrison. Like he is the vocal. He was the Lizard King. Yeah, he he can do anything. He could do anything. At yeah. least until he drowned in his own puke and he couldn't do anything anymore. Or maybe did he he didn't drown in his own puke. He just had a heroin overdose in a bathtub. They all kind of did. I mean. One way or the other. I mean, Mama Cass chokes on a ham, ham sandwich. sandwich. Yeah, yeah. But there was uh, somebody who was uh, saying that he can uh, come out of the blue. Uh, like, oh, that's it. Right. <laughs> yeah, Brad Knoll. Brad Knoll was such a unique. I mean, he was a great songwriter, dude. And he just, he had just such a unique vocal capability the capability and the energy that sort of came from it brad Knoll was he was that kind of guy you know you and i talked about how if you buy an entire album and this is on i don't know one of the last few episodes mm -hmm. we talked about how if you buy an album generally you end up not listening to a lot of it because a lot of it's fucking junk or or not what you want to listen to right that fucking entire sublime album Front to back. It's fucking solid. Which one? Uh, the only one I know that they cut. The one with Santeria on it. Um, yeah. Never, yeah. Uh -huh. But 40 Ounces of Freedom was the big, the biggest one. Well, that was when I figured out who they were. Did they do Scarlet Begonias on that one? Is that? 
they co- they covered it on one album. So they, I mean, they love the dead too. So they, I remember that's how I that's how I first I was I went to go fucking see I was, like I had free tickets to the KTCL Big Adventure. I think I was going with Alan Mann or something like that. And uh, uh, we go and it's fucking raining like a motherfucker. No, I went with I, it was Josh. I went with Josh, super super genius of the world, Josh. I went to I saw a lot of shows with Josh. But uh, um, we're, we're, he's going around hanging out with the girl that, that he he came with, and uh, I, I was just wandering, and I caught up with him, and and they were playing Scarlet Begonias. He's like, "Dude, who is this fucking band?" And we're like, "Sublime." We had no fucking idea who they were. They were like, Three Eleven was headlining, and they weren't playing for hours, you know. Well, I'm not a big fan of 311, but I I mean, Sublime, like I said, so even if they did some hardcore punk shit before, Mm -hmm. that album was where I knew him, and then pretty much right after it, he was dead. He's dead, yeah, done, over. Yeah, that that whole ska, reggae, sort of like, with the, he just brought a lot of fun stuff in. It was pretty true to the point, I was, I was doubting that. It was going to be the same, but it was good when, enough where I still had a good time. Dude, Long Beach Dub All Stars is badass. 98, 99, okay. something, something I, I loved that, at least the one album that I've got sitting here now. Mm-hmm. But I mean, again, I don't know. I, I maybe should have done more research, but I don't know how many of them from Sublime said fuck it we're gonna create this band and who else they needed to pull in and then i think some of them left long beach dub all-stars to create pepper but pepper pepper um but my so i mean they at least had the respect to say Fuck it, we we can't do it over. It's kind of the same thing like Joy Division, right? I mean, that they were a fucking weird fucking band to begin with, anyway. But uh, the lead singer of their band had a very Ian Curtis had a very same unique, similar sound though. Ian Curtis had a very unique vocal style, um, but he was incredibly depressed, motherfucker. So he hung himself in his uh, uh, living room, and uh, when the people that were part of Joy Division broke away and did something else uh bernard summer uh on guitars uh stephen morris on drums and peter hook on bass they transitioned to a different project that became new order right and that's like they called it new order because it was not fucking joy division joy division was a very 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 specific thing and this is like i i like it if you're if you're going to create art i do like the thought of and i get the idea that once you you create a catalog you don't want to let that catalog go but at the same but at the same time you do it the way that dead and company or those guys do it you do it to where you you say we are not the same thing and we still have other people that are playing it and and, and sort of like connecting back to that time period but it's not it's not the same thing so like when you become new order which is like i mean 24-hour party for people that was like the birth of fucking uh uh, no raves and shit like that like uh um in the in in the middle late 80s um joy division was not ever going to be a band that you were going to listen to songs at, at raves it I was just not the people like listening at raves they had the electronic music and I, you, I i'm i'm talking about actual raves i'm not talking about conceptual i'm not talking about conceptual raves right and i don't want to get into an argument over who was the beginning of raves right we're talking about you know bands and like uh, when people disappear from those bands. Yeah, the Pete Floyd and Sid Barry. Okay, so that, but then if you're going to bring it up like that, that has nothing to do with raves. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. 
basically the same thing as like kind of like the just which one or two things instead of just sitting here and kind of kind of explaining which one's better. Um so Joy Division to New Order. Yeah. And again, Joy Division had a very unique vocal. So I have yeah, I have, and I have them on the same page as the doors there because they were weird vocal people. Um other vocal people. Um John Anderson of Yes. They had, uh, but wasn't Yes considered like one of those super bands where they had pulled people in? But John Anderson was the, the vocal front front man. He was the one, you know. So, but like you have other weird ones. So like the so the guy that they had to replace him was uh this dude named Benoit David from two thousand eight to two thousand eleven, and he was a front man for a Canadian Yes cover band. <laughs> but in a different situation. And this is a weird one, right? Um, so you take somebody like fucking Genesis, right? So like Lambs Lie Down on Broadway, that's fucking Peter Gabriel. That's like Phil Collins. Not, but Phil well, Collins, no, not vocals. That's what. So that's that was where right. I was going. So you go from Peter Gabriel being the main vocal person to Phil Collins being the main vocal person, and Peter Gabriel's like, I got nothing to fucking do with these motherfuckers anymore. Right, and then he does Sledgehammer. <laughs> Dun, dun, dun. And then they have some guy named Ray Wilson that comes in that was part of some band called Still Skin, but that was a total fucking failure because Genesis was, I mean, it was either that you have two phases of Genesis. You have the, the the Peter Gabriel phase of Genesis, and you have the Phil Collins phase of Genesis. I can feel it coming in the air tonight. Can you? Um. So. I don't I don't really fucking know. I mean, obviously we have a lot more to cover here. Um but I still want to go back. I mean, like okay, so Motorhead is another one. You know, you you showed me that fucking thing and I had totally forgotten that Lemmy had died. And not only his voice cuz it was fucking raspy and and just crazy, but I don't you know. Imagine a motorhead to be. He's the only one I've ever seen that sets the mic up like fucking eight inches above his head, and then points it down so that he can look up and sing at the mic. I don't do think you, you can replace that. Why do you? <laughs> it's a, it it's not to look at the crowd. It's all about the eleven. It's my it's my placement. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I don't think you can replace Lemmy on Motorhead. Because... All right. So that was Lemmy. Lemmy. And Mike placement. Um. But I mean, there are so many others where. You think that when they brought the next person in, because they had somebody else come in, they said you gotta put the fucking, you gotta tilt the mic down. You gotta. I'm sure they fucking had to lower it every time, because even if you, I don't know how tall Lemmy actually no, was. I mean, when Lemmy was gone, if Motorhead goes back on, and they say you're gonna, you're the front man for us now, so you gotta Lemmy the fucking microphone, you know? You gotta Lemmy that shit, dude. <laughs> if you don't Lemmy that shit, then you're not fucking representing. Maybe properly. they just hired really short people, if they were gonna recreate Motorhead. Yeah. Okay. Or dwarves. Yeah. Depending. I I'd like to see Peter Dunkledge like go up there and fucking motorhead a motherfucker. <laughs> Especially like if he went up there in like fucking Game of Thrones garb, you know, like he was fucking Tyrion, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be good. It'd be delightful. Um. 
But so I mean, would you listen to Iron Maiden if Bruce wasn't there? I, I mean, I didn't listen to a lot of Iron Maiden anyway. It's called, but it's called pre Bruce Dickinson Iron Maiden Paul Diano. No, yeah, that isn't what it's I'm like, talking about. I like the original one a lot. Like Paul I'm Diano's saying, because the I only one I to... ever knew was Bruce. So if Bruce was gone, would you recreate it again? Because I didn't realize that there was somebody else there before Bruce. Yeah, probably it would happen. And uh, hopefully it would be at least almost as good, if not maybe somehow better in ways. That's right, but I, that for. isn't... I mean, you that's why you should just change the fucking name of the band. Okay, so I've only known Iron Maiden since Bruce, and that was what, since fucking Run to the Hills? Okay. So, 82, 83? Pretty close. That's the only fucking Iron Maiden I ever knew. I I don't think I could accept somebody else in that that spot. I mean, he's got a fucking really key voice for, you know, Run to the Hills and... I just don't listen like that's a great fucking song, too. But, I mean, so I don't know. Because we've talked about, like, okay, so Eddie Van Halen never even fucking sang a vocal. That's So that was actually exactly where I was going. Because, like, vocals is the obvious thing. Vocals is the thing that, like, when you're talking about sound and, like, who you hear and what you're used to. But there's no doubt. And that's why I brought Jerry up in that spot. Because you have this unique situation where you have a, a person with a very unique vocal capability. But these tones that are just so innately Jerry that... Well, I have a good one on that subject. So, uh, Black Sabbath, mm-hmm. when Ozzy left, I, I couldn't really get the thing of, like, finding, like, my... Uh, appreciation of Dio as much. Well, or for that matter, Ronnie yeah, James Dio when well, Dio died. No, but when oh, Dio well, died because he, okay. he just started the band called Dio, and they did something similar to what you talked no, about with the Dead, because, it's because they, they started a band called Black Sabbath thing. Yeah, recreation. Yeah, I got it all in my notes, yeah. <laughs> I I can't remember what the fuck it was called. Dio, Dio something or other, but it was basically saying we're not fucking Dio anymore. Um, Maybe they called it Dio de los Marta. That's right. Dio is dead. <laughs> no more Dio. Um, God damn it, I just had it here. Well... This is what starting to fucking drink does. What do you, what do you what when you're, you're not used? To, oh, it's Dio's disciples for one because he died in 2010. So in 2011, um, that same dude that I talked about, Rudy Sarzo, that Randy Rhodes said oh, player. from Quiet Riot, yeah, uh-huh. right? So Rudy Sarzo goes over to Ozzy, and then he goes back to Quiet Riot, and then he went to Dio. And then he was in Dio's Disciples. Well, he's an old-ass motherfucker. I he's think it'd be hard 70, to, call, 72 hard years to old. call him a disciple of Dio at that point in time. I mean, he was pretty much in the the foreground of a lot of other things. I, I don't like that name. I think that's a bad... I think they should have gone with Dio de los Marta. I think that would have been... That better. is a fucking solid name, dude. 
I think they should just call it that anyway. If you motherfuckers use it after I said that, I want fucking to get paid, bitches. Royalties. <laughs> or at least some sort of finder's fee. If I if I come up with something for like the dead or fish or something like that, you guys can have it for free. I get so much of your music for free. I, I I'm okay with that. But Dio, I I, I can't do that. For you. Okay, so we're we're coming up on an hour. Um, you know, somebody here mentioned punk rock. Um. It might have been me. Mm-hmm. Might have been. Oh no, it was Dale when he was talking about Sublime because mm-hmm. the Sublime thing was punk rock. Yep. So that kind of reminded me of Black Flag because Black Flag started in 1976, right? Um, Thirty-five dollars in a six-pack to my name. Six-pack. <laughs> that was a long time ago, and that was Henry Rollins is in that. Well, yeah. I only knew Black Flag as Rollins, uh-huh. right? Uh huh. But Rollins was only there from 81 to 85. Black Flag is still around today. Um, and I don't even, I mean, dude, the list of members in Black Flag is, the current members are four because it's a punk rock band. But, I mean, there's at least, I don't know, 15, 20 on this past members list. And Henry Rollins is one of them. But he has that really distinctive voice, too. But since he didn't come to the band until 1981, you obviously can't call him a founding member. Um, He left in 85. The band broke up in 86. Then they got back together in 87. So, but now they're running under the... um, the name flag what the and i think that's because of a fucking lawsuit i don't know weird, you got some weird names mike watt was in there i mean he was in the minutemen and the minutemen lost their front man too they had to do something like that but i think that actually when the minutemen lost their front man i think they dissolved entirely but uh I, i'm trying to find a list of uh members there we go former members well, Jesus, fuck. Members, right? So members, uh, allegedly currently, Greg Ginn, Mike Vallely, Harley Dugan, and Charles Wiley. Right. Former members, Keith Morris, Raymond Pettibon, Jim Kansas Deerman, Brian Migdal, Glenn Spotlocket, Chuck Dukowski, Robert Robo Valverde, Ron Reyes, Descarina. There's old Henry, uh, Emil Johnson, Chuck Biscuits. That's a great name. Fucking Chuck Biscuits. That's go have some biscuits and gravy after a night of drinking, and you might be Chuck Biscuits. Uh, what? Bill Steve. Chuck Biscuits. Uh, Kira Rosler, Anthony Martinez, Seal Revuelta. Yeah, there's a shitload, dude. I mean, we don't have to fucking name them all. I'm almost there, bitch. Okay. Let me finish. Gregory Fine. Moore, Dave Klein, Brandon Petsborn. Tyler Smith, Joseph Noble, and Isaiah Steele. It, the one I said, that where Mike Watt, that must have been some sort of an offshoot because he's not even on that list. So, but uh, fuck, yeah, that's a is that is that really Black Flag? That's a, I mean, that's a. So I don't know because Rollins, like I love, he does fucking weird poetry and shit now, and has like this podcast and and some sort of fucking talk show or He's some super shit. political he go hang out with like jello vr friend all them is, is he alive still 
I have no fucking idea, dude. I, I but I mean, and and Rollins did fairly well on his solo career as an artist. I mean, again because of that distinctive voice. So they were together five years before Rollins. They were together five with him. Is it Rollins band or not? No, because there is a Rollins band afterwards. Um, I don't know. I I don't know how to answer the question, but clearly somebody was pissed because now they're fucking uh, touring under flag. What the? Because of some sort of fucking lawsuit. So maybe they didn't know how to answer the question either. Sorry, I was. I mean, that because I asked the Jello thing, I started to think, well, is are the Dead Kennedys the Dead Kennedys after Jello leaves? And then I read all kinds of shit, and it sounds just like the same shit that happened in Creedence Clearwater, where uh, Jello, who is like intelligent and politically active, uh, was not spreading the uh, royalty payments out to the other members of the band the way that you're required to when they all own the. Uh, the rights to it, which is that's that's the saddest thing in the history of the universe. You really don't want to hear a royalties fight about a band that had so many political statements to make as the Dead Kennedys do, and it did, and and the Jello Jello Biafra did. He's from Boulder, actually. Oh, good. So somebody from Colorado fucking somebody over. That's nice. <laughs> good talk. Good talk. <clears throat> So an hour. So uh, we're gonna start back up and yeah, we're just over an hour. Um, what are we I think we about? have. I think we have some more to say. What are we gonna talk about in the second half? We're gonna go a little bit deeper into this question of. Yeah, I don't know because vocals, there's yeah. some other weird shit. Like if you create the super band, which yeah. there were a lot of them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then the the super band catches some traction. And I know that no super band ever tried this, at least I don't think. But, like, I was thinking the Traveling Wilburys, you know? Roy Orbison died, so the Wilburys went away, right? Five fucking minutes after that album. But now Tom Petty's gone. So if you find somebody to kind of... And I don't think you can do it, but I, I think we're just going to continue the but conversation. The, the, the way that you're asking the question in relation to, say, somebody like a super band like the Traveling Wilburys, because they were all singer-songwriters, and it was an accident the way that it happened in the first place anyway. We'll talk more about this after the break. You mean uh, the motorcycle thing? No, no. The how the Oh, how came, they stumbled in together. The okay, okay. So, gotcha. Okay, um, okay so uh, this is the first stop. And we'll talk to you soon, at least if you're an exclusive subscriber. Yeah.